Hey, everybody. In this episode of the virtual podcast, we talk to Jimmy Cheng, responsible for content licensing and distribution at Iconic Engine. Thank you for taking the time for us, Jimmy. Yeah, it's my pleasure to be here. And uh, I, I really want to spread what I do with everybody. And thank you so much for inviting me to do the podcast with you. Yeah. And especially at this unusual time for you, because uh, you are exactly where at this moment and how late is it there? So I supposed to be in Los Angeles because Iconic Engine is there. Um, I actually got back to Taiwan in in early March, and then I basically stayed in Taiwan, work remotely. So right now it's uh, 11 p.m., but it doesn't really matter because I try to follow the entire European time zone all the time. Mm. So normally I sleep until like 11 a.m., and then I work until like 2 o'clock in the morning. Okay. So right now it's a perfect time. <laughs> okay, perfect. And how is the COVID-19 situation currently over there? This is actually a question that you actually going to make me a little bit show off because our government is really doing great job since day one, even when I was still at Sundance. They basically started cut down the flights with China and then they locked the borders for already about 12 weeks after I come back here. So uh, internally in Taiwan, we only have about 445 cases and we don't have any increasing anymore. Uh, we're still very careful whenever we go, especially we go to any indoor activities. We wear the mask. We wash hands like 50 times a day. <laughs> yeah. uh, we take temperature check all the time. But I want to say um, right now, if you go outside in Taiwan, especially you go to restaurants, you go to a karaoke or bar, sometimes you feel nothing happened before, that everything looks normal. But it's just people always wear a mask. Yeah. So I think it's good here. Okay. So um, last year at CanXR, we spoke to your CEO, Amit, uh, in one of our podcast episodes. But can you explain to listeners who don't know Iconic Engine yet uh, who exactly you are and what you guys are working on at Iconic then? Sure. So um, I'll start from Iconic Engine first. Um, Iconic Engine is a spin-off company from Digital Domain uh, since about like 18 months ago. Uh, Iconic Engine is really focusing on to support telecoms to develop and maintain their VR platform. So we are working closely with Orange, Deutsche Telekom, PCCW, and also Nordic Entertainment Group from uh, uh, Northern Europe. Uh, what we do is actually we support them to you know do the uh, do the platform, and also is we are actually working on the content licensing with the telecoms because basically for a telecom it's actually hard to directly talk to maybe 200 studios at one time and every studio maybe only has one or a few contents. That's basically what or how I step into content licensing. What I do is actually very simple that um, I talk to producers, I try to represent for their projects, and then I can demo the projects to the telecoms. When a telecom says, okay, Jimmy, we're interested in this, this, this project, then I can support the producers to negotiate the terms with the telecoms, such as like, what is the duration they want to license, how much money they want to pay. And then I get back to the producers to report for the deal. And once I can get you know an approval, that can help them to license the content to telecoms. And I think that is the majority of Iconic Engine is doing, supporting VR platform development with telecoms and also on content licensing. And of course, we are also developing our sixth off chair. It is ready. We're ready to distribute. Really? But because of this COVID-19 situation, yeah. Yeah, it's really ready. We have six units uh, sitting in our office right now. But because of this COVID-19, we decided to postpone um, our plans uh, since uh, early March, that we want to wait until everything's really kind of settled. And then we start the plan to you know, manufacture and also license or sell our hardwares and software to the people that they want to you know, step into LBE business. How can I imagine me sitting on a six-dove chair? What does it do with me? What 
How is the experience?、Mm, so basically, I think a lot of chairs that actually we see at the LBE market right now, they are three dove chair. So with a three dove chair, the movement,、uh, the rotation is actually very limited. So it maybe can actually help you to watch a content easily because you don't really need to move around. But when you are trying to watch a six dove content, you want to walk into the experience. You want to really go into the effects, the designs, the story. So as a six dove chair, we actually have six actuators under it, and everything is actually based on the Unity platform. So we can actually synchronize with the content easily. And also the motion, the the motions, the actuator will actually bring you into the details. We can, you know, design a path for the content. And the good thing about a six dove chair with the Unity platform is we actually let the two D screens and also other systems that talk to the chair, you know, at the same time. So when you sit on the chair, the screens in front of you play an intro video, give you introductions. Because most of the people when they go to LBE when they sit on the chair, they actually never try VR before. So they have no idea what's going to happen, and we feel like if we want to make LBE like a theme park experience, then basically we need to let people to be educated before they really get on the chair, before they really put on their VR headset. It's just like when you go to a theme park like Universal's. Before you sit on the medium ride, you were already like watching all the two D stories and videos, you know, on the walls here and there. So you already get a sense or feeling about what's going to happen to you after you get on the ride. We actually want to use a six-dove chair with a good platform that synchronize, talk to each other to give people a complete theme park experience. But that is under VR. Okay, and are you are you focusing on theme parks or arcades or who will be your clients or your customers for the for the chair? So we were actually talking to some、uh, LBE operators and we are also talking to some theme parks, but. When we are almost already to start to manufacture our chairs and also set up our showrooms in LA, COVID nineteen happens, and、uh, I think because、um, Amit, my boss, he is like really, really predicting things that are gonna happen everywhere in the world. So he decided, okay, I'm gonna slow down at this moment, and then after monitoring everything for months, he knows it's gonna be bad. That's why we didn't pull the plug, but we just postponed it and we wait until the、mm, time smart, comes. Smart, I guess. Smart, yeah, yeah. It's, it it actually helps us to save a lot of cash flow. Yeah, definitely. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I can imagine that the lockdown must have been some kind of a relief for you, because we met a few times at the film festivals <laughs> like the past the past two years. But you actually almost literally lived out of your suitcase for the past two years, I guess, or three years.、Uh, so, what was the reason why?、Uh, what was the reason why you visited an incredible amount of locations or festivals, and what is the result of that effort? Well, the answer is actually very straightforward.、Um, I actually, you know, started to work for Iconic Engine, transfer from digital domain in October, November, two thousand eighteen. And before that, I only tried maybe VR content for a few times, so I didn't understand VR at that moment. But Ahmed told me he wants me to try to make content licensing work between studios and telecoms. At that moment, I knew nobody in the market, knew nobody in the industry. So I thought about it. I know what I need to do is I need to watch content nonstop to understand what is good, what is bad, what kind of contents can work with the telecoms, what kind of contents may not work. And then after I dig into this industry for about two and three months, I actually I was lucky because a studio called Studio Bento from Australia they had a project called Wrong. Uh, it was at South by Southwest two years ago. They invited me to do a panel with them at South by Southwest last year. That actually opens a big door for me because I started to connect to people from every country, such as like Paul from Diversion Cinema,、uh, Antoine from Atlas Five, and also many great people. 
So I realized if I really want to make content licensing work, I think the first goal that I have is I need to have a fruitful catalog. I cannot just have a catalog with only 30 contents or 40 contents. I need a catalog that is over 100 or even 200 contents. That's why I persuaded Ahmed. I say, please give me one year. Let me explore the market. Let me go to build the connections. So I started to travel from South by Tribeca, Ken, New Images, B-Fun, Venice, Itfa, <laughs> uh, yeah. Gaoshan Film Festivals until Sundance. And that actually helped me to build a relationship for with more than maybe 300 or 400 people. And um, I think the result is currently I have a catalog for over 140 studios content, over 400 titles. And those are really curated content, no matter from film festivals or by myself. And this catalog actually makes telecoms to feel they can rely on me to find good contents for the entire industry. And do you, do you have some... St- Studios that you're representing? Can you name some studios or, or uh, companies that you're representing? Uh, sure. Um, I represent for Artist 5, Secret Location, Diversion Cinema, Baobab, Serene Entertainment, MK2, Inner Space, NSC Creative, <laughs> uh, Breaking Force, Pinta Studio, and a uh, another 130. <laughs> okay, yeah, a lot of yeah. the big names. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I have to say... I, I'm very thankful to these great studios because um, they also introduced me to the friends they have, to the producers or to independent creators. And because of them, people want to trust me easily. So right now I can get contents back easier and uh, people also talk about what I do. So I actually feel a lot more comfortable when I pitch to people that I don't know before. So uh, how do you actually work? Do filmmakers or directors or producers directly reach out to you or do you reach out to hit, to them or do you meet and greet at film festivals or how does it work? Because it could be interesting for, so, for people uh, in our community to learn how this licensing thing works. Okay. Um, I think if, if we count that I have 140 studios right now, I would say maybe only 10% of the studios that maybe they send an email or they come to me directly. For the rest 90, 90%, I actually write the email by myself, making the phone calls or meet and greet at the film festivals or I ask the studios that I know, can you introduce that studio or your friend to me? I think the reason why I like to do this is because for producers and you know creators, they are very busy you know, focusing on the new project development and also financing. And it is really hard to make a content work really well. So they actually put maybe 99% of their effort into that. So from, from my perspective, if I want to represent for someone's content, the best way should be I directly go to them, introduce what I do, who I am, let them feel comfortable and let me explain what I do, build a relationship, build a trust, let them feel that they can rely on me no matter when and where they reach out to me. I can always answer quickly. So I would say even until now or in the future, I think mostly still will be I go to the producers directly. But of course, if anyone has any interest to distribute their projects, no matter new or old, I have to say, please write an email to me. Normally you will get my reply like, in 24 hours, and then we will directly hop on a call to discuss more. In 10 days, CanXR virtual kicks off because it's it's not happening in uh, in real life, unfortunately. Yeah. But it's in, in 10 days, the virtual edition kicks off. And with uh, virtual, we are organizing some keynotes and panels. 
Uh, you will be part of a discussion about user-centric storytelling, a panel that will be led by Marta Ordeik uh, from Garage Stories, also a virtual academy yep. course instructor. And together with Rafael Pavon from Atlas 5, you will discuss, among other things, of course, uh, which trends, yep. uh, trends in XR storytelling um, have an impact on the successful distribution of the content. So um, what do creators uh, have to uh, take in, in mind when they are working on their story or do people um, yeah, uh, keep in mind the storytelling methodology when they are creating stories? And do you have some tips and advice on which stories are working best these days? So I actually want to say it's actually a very tricky question because when COVID-19 started to happen, I was on the edge to start to form two new deals with China and also with European telecoms. But since COVID-19 happens, everything kind of like just stopped like immediately. They started to work from home and they'd also tell me, Jimmy, uh, we maybe need to take some time and then to restart the conversation again because no one has what's gonna ha no one has an idea about what's gonna happen in the future or in the near, you know, one or two months. So that was a huge impact to the distribution because basically everything stops. But after one and two months, I think from uh, middle of the May, basically, you know, people start to get back to work and also people are used to what's happening right now. Everybody's used to work from home. And I think all the companies and organizations, they also find a way to let employees to work, even everybody's like separated everywhere. So right now, I think this distribution is already restart. Um, right now, I'm talking to Deutsche Telekom Orange by a two-week basis that we start to finalize a content list, a selection that they want to license some for them independently, some for some as a co-curation. I think for uh, XR creators, um, right now, when you are creating a story, what you need to do is like to find your audience first. A lot of people, they are trying to create a boutique. It's kind of like a story that they want to tell, but they actually don't know who the audience is. When you don't really know who your audience is, then you actually cannot define your distribution strategy because some some of the people, they want to make a six-stuff experience. They want to make a crazy interactive. But after all, we try the experience and real, we realize the interactive doesn't really make sense. It actually can be a very good uh, 360 content as a film, but the six-stuff and interactive doesn't really give him a plus. So I think to define the audience actually can actually help you to define what kind of format of the project you want to do. And then you actually can find the right profit because you know where your audience is. So you know where to distribute and you know who is the distributor you want to work with. So you actually can maybe do a forecast or to see what kind of revenue you can actually bring back. Whoa. And do you see uh, a growing demand in certain types of XR content uh, and which markets are currently developing faster than others? Okay. So I think because I'm actually working with uh, eight or nine telecoms right now, I have two in Europe, Orange and Deutsche Telekom, two in Korea, two in China, two in Taiwan, one in Japan, one in Thailand. So I actually feel all these telecoms, they are looking for some same types of content, such as like family friendly. When we talk about family friendly, it can be animation, entertainment, storytelling, sports, music, documentary, educational. But of course, there are some difference between the content that they want to choose. Some of the telecoms, they maybe want to more focus about, you know, talking about the space, astronauts. Some of the telecoms, they want to talk more about like, you know, a feature style content, maybe such as like Gloomy Eyes, Battle Scar, or the Phoenix. Some of the telecoms, they are a big fan of all the great travels and also sports as live productions. 
So I think right now the real growing demand is supposed to be over 4K content because uh, during the past three years, most of the people are making 4K content. But right now we have better headsets to come out. And also these telecoms are all distributing and launching their 5G system. So the bandwidth actually becomes a lot faster compared to before. Um, and of course, the player is getting better no matter through Iconic Engine support or through their local partner support. So these telecoms, they also want to distribute some really nice high quality content that is a little bit different than before. And we actually know when a content actually reaches to 6K or 8K, it looks a lot more beautiful compared to our normal 4K content. So I think right now the really growing demand I see from all these telecoms is they start to have interest and they are looking for 6k or 8k content okay and um how are telecoms actually distributing the content because obviously not everybody has a headset at home so how do they reach their their audience so um as the first step for these telecoms to do um i think they are all basically starting for an android base and ios base basically this is the first step that we develop a platform for these telecoms it is basically that, you know, using a magic window or a cardboard for their end users or subscribers to enter the platform and to enjoy the content and license uh, freely because they want to promote VR as a new media. They want to have a bigger pool of end users. And maybe in the future, they will start to change the business model to pay-per-view or some kind of like a monthly payment subscriptions. And of course, these telecoms also want to promote headset. But we understand headset is a lot more expensive compared to a cardboard or to use a mobile phone. So they take it slower to promote these headsets. Maybe they will promote a certain a quantity of headset at first when they are doing some marketing campaign or some promotions. And then they will try to see how the result comes back from these audience or end users. And then they will try to promote more. So the first step they do is all from uh, traditional mobile-based end users, just like YouTube VR. And then they step into maybe a 3 dot headset. Some of the telecoms in China, they also going to try some 6 dot headset, maybe from the Chinese brands. And then to see how their end users you know, feel and feedback about the content that they have. And of course, if they're going to start to promote some 6 dot headsets, then there will be a demand of good six stuff content. Maybe it's a game or maybe some six stuff films or interactive experience. And I think right now for uh, the markets, for Orange and for Deutsche.com, these two markets, France and Germany, they're actually growing stably. Um, every six to eight months, they will license a batch of content for Iconic Engine. So very sustainable. Uh, for Chinese telecoms, right now they are fast in the speed to create contents. And I think the, the quantity of content they want to license will be bigger than other telecoms because their end user base will be more compared to other countries. And then for Taiwan telecoms, right now they just step into this. They are curating contents. And I think they will start to license content very soon because the 5G system is going to be ready, I think, in this summer. So what, um, China, what difference I does think, that make, the 5G system? Oh, because I think right now when we are using a traditional 4G LTE we have right now, it barely streams a 4K content. And that actually needs to be under very stable 4G or LTE bandwidth. So if you're actually in the elevator or you're going downstairs, maybe to the basement, you actually, the, the image quality actually drops a lot. It's just like when you're watching YouTube, you have a 3G and maybe you can only stream for like 360 or 480. You cannot reach to HD. And especially a lot of people, they want to download the content in their phone, on their iPad, and then they watch it when they're taking a flight or taking a train or in the car. But 
If they need to spend 30 minutes or even two hours to download just for one content, they will just decide to cancel it because they don't have the time to really yeah, wait for that. True. For a 5G system, when the bandwidth goes goes bigger, as what I tried in Korea last year, I tried their 5G system. I was sitting on the street at a coffee shop using a 5G phone. It actually can download up to 60 megabytes per second. So when you need to download even a 5 gigabytes VR content, it only takes you a few minutes. And that is the time that people can wait because they are maybe preparing to go out, they're maybe taking a shower and everything's done. So that's why telecoms are really combining their VR distribution with their 5G strategy as a good showcase of new media and to prove the bandwidth of 5G is really good that people need that in the future. So the future looks bright for our industry. I think for 5G, it's going to help our industry a lot because we're also talking about maybe cloud rendering, cloud computing in the future. But of course, the headset, the hardware is also one of the important things that we need to you know, keep working on it because still people are complaining the headset is not good enough. It's not lighter. It's not cheaper. It's still a little bit complicated to use. I think for, I think for us as industrial people, we're okay for all kinds of headsets. But for a normal end user, they don't know VR. They really need something even better so they can you know, start to have interest. They want to try more VR. They like VR. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. so, so very interesting chat again, once again, Jimmy. Uh, uh, glad we talked again. It was, even it was virtual because I look, I'm, I'm really looking forward to see each other again in real life. It's been too long. Um, but yeah. I think the last time, I think the last time we saw each other was actually at Cannes, right? I think so. I think it's, it's more than exactly a year. one year ago. Yeah, one year ago. Yeah, yeah, more, well, more than a year, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I look forward to see you again yeah. for sure. But yeah, and uh, we see each other we, we or, hear, more. or hear each other in um at our panel in 10 days at CanXR. Okay, no problem. And I will be fully prepared and uh, I hope the discussion can be very fun because me and Rafa we are already exchanging some notes ah, on okay. WhatsApp. Interesting. And we basically say we're going to enjoy a great time there. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jimmy. Thank you, Peter. Thank you for the invitation. Thanks. Bye. Bye.